This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. The button pushing stops here. Plug the radio in. Yeah, Hello, everyone. It's time once again for Evidence for Faith, the voice of Rashi Christie. This is where we help you answer the question, why should I become a Christian? I'm Keith Kendricks, and today's topic is going to be an interview with Dr. Enuel Hernandez on the archaeology of the Bible. But before we do that, if you're a new, less, a new listener, I'd like you to check out our website, evidenceforfaith.com. Um, also, check out our Facebook page and like us there. There's room for discussion on that page. Podcasts are available at iTunes also. Just go to iTunes and put in Evidence for Faith into the search bar. And do also check out the ratiochristi.org website. Well, we've got a quote of the week. We're doing several quotes from C.S. Lewis. So this one, again, is from C.S. Lewis. And he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That from C.S. Lewis. We have gotten a lot of emails recently, and so I picked out one that I thought was very interesting. This is an email from Sherilyn, and she says, The biggest thing causing doubts in my mind is how long before Abraham the universal flood was. Where can I find information about this? So I just emailed her back. Sherilyn, thanks for writing in. Always good to hear from listeners. For the Young Earth Perspective, the sites I find the best scholarship at are creation.com and icr.com. There's also a very good book on this subject called The Chronology of the Old Testament by Floyd Nolan Jones. There is some minor difference between scholars, but most would put the flood at about 350 years before the birth of Abraham. I'd love to know more about what exactly your doubts are about this because there are many others with the same concerns. Can you elaborate a little more about what the concern is? So that was my response to her. And then she emailed back again recently. She said, thank you for the reply. I have to say I am enjoying the excitement of the possibility that you may be able to answer my questions, almost to the point that I'm afraid to ask. The first part of the question how I read it, about 294 years from the flood to Abraham's birth, another 100 years till Isaac's birth, 70 years till Jacob's birth, and she continues on. I'll just jump to the point here. That makes about 1,012 years from the flood till Moses was dealing with one of the Ramses. If the Pharaoh Moses dealt with was sometime between 1300 and 1200 BC, the flood must have been between 2300 and 2200 BC. How can you have a worldwide flood and not interrupt Egyptian history, which goes back continuously about another eight or 900 years? 
So I answered Sherilyn. Uh, you will also want to look at the website BibleArchaeology.org. They have done a lot of research on this area. Your dates are a bit off, however. The Exodus likely occurred around circa 1446 BC. This date matches with the archaeological data. The latter date, BC 1200s, is based on some early assumptions about which cities and pharaohs are mentioned in Exodus. But these late dates do not have any archaeological support, and some critics have tried to use this to disprove the Bible. That does not explain the entire time discrepancy, however. This has been resolved by several archaeologists, some secular archaeologists. Egyptian chronology is based mostly on the work of Manetho, an Egyptian historian from the 3rd century BC. He made king's lists or pharaoh lists and synchronized them with some astronomical sightings. However, this chronology also has discrepancies with the Assyrian and Babylonian chronologies. It appears that Manetho did not take into account that different pharaohs ruled different regions, such as the north and the south, at the same time. Thus, by listing all those pharaohs one after another, he drastically extended the Egyptian history into the past. And that's all about, uh, that's about all I can remember. So check out the websites. And that was my response to Sherilyn. So thank you, Sherilyn, for writing in. If anyone else would like to write in with questions, you can send your emails to email at evidenceforfaith.com. Well, at this time, I'd like to bring in a special guest. This guest has been here before, Dr. Manuel Hernandez. Dr. Hernandez, welcome to Evidence for Faith. Glad to be here, Keith. And it's once again, it's an honor to be uh, with you and also to share this space with your radio listeners. It's, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Well, this is something exciting for us. This is the first time that the radio show is being videotaped. Yes. So you've taken the attempt here to videotape the show with three different cameras. And so this might be put together into a product that can be uploaded to YouTube. We are looking forward to that. And hopefully in the future, the Lord will allow us to have a platform, not only uh, on a radio, but also on different uh, video uh, avenues such as uh, GodTube and many others out there. So the Lord is opening up the doors. We just have to walk in and make sure that the ministry is being expanded, and especially nowadays with all these uh, videos and movies that are out there. I think it's another opportunity for us to share the light of the gospel and the truth of the biblical uh, worldview for all the people out there. So it's it's thrilling, and it's also it's a very nice endeavor for us to take. Uh, I wish our audience will be able to see how we are here in a small studio that we prepare, right. uh, many lights and many cameras, so hopefully it'll be all for the glory of God. Well, it's all very exciting. So today you are here to talk about archaeology and the Bible. So let's jump into the topic. We've been covering the reliability of the New Testament. We first looked at how well the uh, Old Testament and New Testament have been transmitted down through the ages. And then we started looking at some of the accuracy of the Bible, the accuracy of the Old Testament, and the accuracy of the New Testament. Part of that has been discussing some of the archaeology and some of the great discoveries that have been made. But you have a wonderful lecture that you give about the archaeological evidences. And so that's what I'd like you to share with our audience. Unfortunately, your wonderful PowerPoint's got these great pictures. And uh, unfortunately, by radio, we just can't do that. But 
will make every attempt to describe to people the fascinating archaeological discoveries that have been found. Absolutely. So, Hopefully in the future, since we're going to be uh, working towards developing this ministry also within the uh, video media, we should be able to uh, upload these uh, wonderful slides so people could get more information, not only the audible version, but also the visual version of uh, Evidence for Faith. So once again, it's a pleasure, and, and let's get started. Uh, All right. Archaeology is the thing for today. Um, we have quoted many uh, scholars within this area and doing the research throughout the years about biblical archaeology. It is interesting to know that we approach archaeology not in the basis of saying that it proves the Bible, rather that the Bible is proving what archaeologists actually find. Uh, archaeology, a word derived from two compound words in Greek, archaeos and logos. Archaeos meaning the ancient, and logos meaning the, the uh, discernment or the speak or the knowledge of. So archaeology is the study or the knowledge of the ancient things. So it has become so profound nowadays that it has turned into a science. It began as uh, looting, people were robbing the tombs, mm. and many of, of these things uh, were happening down in the Middle East East and the uh, Far East. And all of a sudden, people were finding these big treasures. And as they found these treasures, many biblical scholars took into the endeavor of looking into these treasures and finding out that finally we have more evidence for the attest uh, or the testament of the Bible within the ar archaeological findings. Now, once again, we do not approach archaeology as saying, oh, archaeology proves the Bible. No, uh, there are many things that archaeologists have not found, and we still hold because the Bible says it. We believe it, such as the case was with the Hittites. The Bible was the only place where it was mentioned. Right. Archaeologists never found it until recently. But in the past, many uh, antagonists of the Bible were saying that we were wrong. Right. Finally, when the archaeologists found the Hittites, they said, oh, you know what? The Christians were finally right. right. No, we were right all along. And many of these findings, we are right all along because we believe it's the authority of word of God. And whatever it says in there, it's true. People don't want to believe. Many people don't want right. to believe that it's true. But we come to this program showing that many of the things that the Bible has found, I mean, it has explained, are being found and are going to be found. So it gives a little bit more evidence for our faith. It's not just blind faith. It's right. actually evidenced out there. And I like how your program started. It's evidence for faith. That's right. That's right. And that's uh, archaeology is just one of the areas that yes. all this new information is coming out that supports the concept that Christianity really is true. So let's dig into some of the exact discoveries and some of the exciting things that have been discovered. And the testimony of many of the people that actually endeavored trying to disprove the Bible through archaeology. And we have found that they have either been converted by the uh, evidence out there or they have been overwhelmed by the evidence. And that is the case of a former Jewish rabbi. His name is Nelson Gluck. And he states that, and I quote, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. And that is precisely what we were talking about at the beginning. We have found many things out there with the archaeological findings that are written in the Bible, and it only gives us uh, a stronger position for our faith. Now, archaeology, uh, like I mentioned before, it was brought by 
people robbing tombs and many things like that. So in a quick crash course of the origins of archaeology, we can say categorically that it began as treasure-seeking. There were many that were robbing tombs. They wanted to get rich real quick, quick. So they set out to look for these archaeological places, and then they started selling the artifacts. Back in the uh, early uh, 1700s, there was a society, the Society of Antiquaries. It was developed for the protection of many of the archaeological findings in these uh, countries. And uh, it was developed the first archaeological society. And one of the very interesting archaeological findings that we find in history are the findings of the Rosetta Stone. Ah. Now, the very important thing about the Rosetta Stone is that we, in the past, were not able to decipher the Egyptian holographic. But knowing the Greek language, we found this stone, and this stone had engraved on it three languages. We deciphered two of them, and by... Uh, by uh, pretty much finding out what the other one meant, mm -hmm. we found out how the uh, hieroglyphics in Egypt were uh, written and what did they mean. Right. So that was one of the first archaeological findings that was extremely important for many of us. And that's more than the secular side of things. Now, on the more biblical side of things, we have found that there are more than 25,000 archaeological discoveries that either give more evidence to or prove things in the Bible. Now, I'm going to quote Daniel Witzman. He's an archaeologist, and he says, quote, A geography of the Bible lands and visible remains of antiquity were gradually recorded until today that we have more than 25,000 sites with this, within this region and dating to Old Testament times in their broadest sense have been located. Wow. So we have found what the Bible has said for these uh, thousands and thousands of years. Excellent. We have unearthed many other things out there. And it is a great thing that we hold to a faith which has evidence. Absolutely. Well, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Evidence for Faith. I'm Keith Kendricks. And joining us today is Dr. Enuel Hernandez, who is talking to us about about uh, archaeology and the New Testament and the Old Testament. So, um, so dig into some of the details. You mentioned that there were 25,000 um, things that have confirmed the truth of the Bible. So, we know that it's accurate, it's reliable. It obviously must have been written by eyewitnesses who were there to see the things unfolding. Otherwise, they would have gotten all of these archaeological points wrong. So let's talk about some of that. One of the most important things is that since archaeology has become a science, there are many processes on how archaeologists, they define the periods of time mm -hmm. by either the pottery, by either carbon dating, or by other different means. So science has played a good role in archaeology, which helped the biblical scholars in dating many of these sites. Mm -hmm. Once they find a site... All they have to look is for the pottery and different scientific proofs to determine the times where those people lived and those archaeological findings. And we have come to conclusions that the people that were living in certain times are exactly as the Bible says they, they were in there. So there, they, there's not a mistake of how the Bible cor, uh, corrects everyone else on the dating. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have found out now completely that, hey, listen, the Bible was correct in right. this. And it's the most reliable. It's the most reliable. And as a matter of fact, many archaeologists, they go back to the pages of the Bible 
to search for archaeological digs and say, all right, the Bible said that this people were living in this area in this time. And sure enough, when they dig hard enough within the strata of that timeline, mm-hmm. they find exactly what they were looking for. Great. So out there, Raiders are the lost card or the Indiana Jones of right. that. It, it's all taken or derived pretty much from the Bible. The Bible got it right. And one of these things that the Bible got right are the accounts of the creation mm-hmm. and also the accounts of the flood. Now, many people out there, and especially those uh, young men and young women that are going into college, they will be attacked in their faith saying that the Bible is a copy of the Enuma Elish uh, mentions about creation or the Epic of Gilgamesh, which are Babylonian writings in there. And sure enough, as a written document, they predate the written document of the Bible. Nevertheless, this is no evidence for the atheists or the antagonists to the Bible to say that the Bible did copy these things in there because we have found through archaeological evidence a town named Ebla and their cuneiform tablets, which are clay tablets mm-hmm. that are predated from the Enuma Elish accounts and also the Babylonian accounts. Okay. So they predate those accounts and they tell us about a creator, they tell us about a flood. So who copied off of who? Was right. it the Babylonians from the uh, Hebrews or the Hebrews actually were there before the Babylonians? So we have proven through archaeology that the evidence for the flood, it's there. Right. The evidence for creation is there. And all these accounts, when you go into college, they're saying that you, your faith is blind because you're copying off Babylonic um, you know, right. writings. It's all baloney. Right, right. <laughs> So we have a more foundation, we have a bigger foundation within the archaeological findings of that. Another thing that was found, and this was very interesting, it was uh, it's called an ostracon. It's a piece of pottery uh-huh. that was found that uh, it's dated from the year 835 or 796 BC. Now the important thing about this uh, ostracon, it's only four inches wide by three inches and a half tall, and the important thing about this pottery is that it's the oldest mention of Solomon's temple that we have ever found. Okay. So they're also antagonists saying that Solomon never lived. Right. And Solomon was just a figment of the imagination of many Hebrews. But now we found pottery that we can date precisely to those times that actually has the name of, the, of King Solomon proven once again that we had it right all along. Right. And it's like someone was saying many times that you find people that are climbing up this mountain for many, many years. And when they get to the top of the mountain, a whole bunch of theologians and Bible scholars are sitting there with drinks. (laughs) Right. Already there. Yeah. In fact, I read a book that was uh, uh, very critical of the Bible and the archaeology of it um, not uh, about 10 years ago. And it was uh, just describing what you said. It was saying David didn't exist. Solomon didn't exist. There was no uh, Hebrew nation back then. And that's really contrary to what the archaeology shows. So unfortunately, there are uh, people, there are um, archaeologists, um, uh, secular people who are trying to put this out there, trying to make people believe that there's no support for the Bible when in reality there is. There is plenty of it. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do they go about doing all this? Is this really a science? Is this really reliable? 
Well, we have proven that yes, it's very reliable. It's and it's automatically a science. There is a methodology to do this. Uh, there are teams out there, so it's a, it's a big process from its beginnings, where it was uh, robbing tombs, right. to where it is now, which is a scholarly field. It has uh, evolved uh, enormously throughout the years, and the process that they they have in order to find things are they go out to a place either by the confirmation of certain books, mm -hmm. like historical books, the Bible in this case, and they look for specific things. They look for mountains. Now, these mountains that they look for are specific mountains. These mountains, they're called tells, and the tells are basically places where people live, and then they moved out, and then there was another civilization and built on top of that, and they went so forth and so on until they developed this mountain. Right. Layer of layer, a layer of city. after layer, yes. Yeah. And until just recently in the 1950s, archaeologists found that wait a minute, these mountains do have some archaeological uh, importance on them. Mm. And one of these mountains are hotels, are the ones that we found in Tel Haman, which we found the city of Sodom. A lot of people were saying, oh, this city never existed, it was never in there. But yes, they found the ruins of Sodom. And they date these ruins from the year 2200 B.C. to the, the year 1800 B.C. or the middle of the Bronze Age of, uh, of Sodom. Mm -hmm. And specifically, they found bones buried in the city of Sodom. And the interesting thing about this archaeological finding is that when they looked and the... Uh, they looked at the anatomy of the bones. Mm -hmm. They found that these bones were hyperflexed so back as it was a result of a big explosion. Wow. So it warped the fabric of the anatomic structure of these people. And it was very interesting because when you look at the evidence of the Bible, we know what happened there. Right. So only through a either a huge explosion or something catastrophic could have built this uh, tell it could have the uh, evidence for what we find in the anatomy of these bones. And this is a fairly recent yes. discovery, right? I think maybe within the last eight years or so. Yes. So that they've um, confirmed, or at least as best they can, they are really quite certain that this is Sodom based on the, uh, the dating and the evidences that they find and that there was a incredibly catastrophic destruction of the entire region. Actually, I think they said that uh, about 10 cities were wiped out mm -hmm. uh, in this region, Sodom being the largest uh, city there, uh, with very high temperature fires, much, much higher than anything that any person could create or that a natural fire would cause. And that is something very important because when they dug the uh, area of Sodom, they found uh, pieces of pottery. And now these uh, pieces of pottery, they were melted. They were melted so intense that even scientists were saying the kilns on that date could not produce this heat. And uh, someone compared, and I have a photo of this that I wish I can share with our audience, but someone has a photo of the uh, pottery that was found in Sodom next to something called Trinitite. And we were talking about this just a few months ago when which Trinitite is. Right. Trinitite is the... is. Um clay, or, or um, I believe it's clay, um, that has been exposed to a nuclear blast. Mm -hmm. So apparently when the pieces were delivered for analysis to the lab, they said, oh, this is, the, this is Trinitite. Yes. Uh, and they didn't tell them where this came from, but it actually was from this uh, discovery from Sodom. There were fragments from the city of Sodom, which is yeah. very interesting because when you look at what the Bible tells us what happened in there, 
Uh, that is precisely what you will find on an archaeological dig. Uh, and once again, the kilns of that time, they were not able to produce this type of uh, uh, pottery that it turned pretty much like glass. It's when you take sand and you expose it to extreme right. heats. It turns to glass, and like you said before, when you have an atomic explosion, you take either the pottery or the sand, and it fuses all the molecules together and right. turns sort of like a glass. Right. And that's exactly what happened to the pottery in Sodom, right. which the Bible tells us that it was destroyed by fire. And that is exactly what we find in there. Well, that's just amazing. Another thing that uh, we have found, well, not us, but uh, biblical uh, archaeology, uh, and we as Bible scholars use are many inscriptions, once again, within the pottery that help us date either uh, persons of the Bible or timelines within the Bible. Uh, one very good uh, excavation we have is when we found uh, in, within the scholarly peer review information, they have unearthed the Gath inscription. Now, this Gath inscription was found in the city of Gath. And this is the city where Goliath right. uh, actually lived. Uh, there are two Don't, names for that okay. in Philistine. Uh, but the etymological names for this city are pretty much indicative that it was the era where Goliath lived. Okay, And it's consistent with biblical information. And it was part of a bowl, and it mentions the name of Goliath. Wow. So Wow, that's exciting. It's, it is very exciting. Uh it's more exciting when we look at the pages of the Bible, and then we find that even antagonists of the Bible, archaeological findings and archaeologists that are not in favor of the Bible, they actually are telling us, wait a minute, you know, you have it right. They have to be right. honest with right. the information. Right. And when they do find something like that, we get the credit for it, and ultimately the Lord gets all the credit of it. Another thing that it was unearthed was the Emer Bula. Now, the Bula is very interesting because these are... Uh, rings or artifacts that many kings will use in order to sort of like post their signature. Right, like a, a seal on a letter, on the back of a letter. Yes, and they use precisely either wax or uh, pottery, uh, clay, clay. Yeah. in order to do that. So they will leave the impress uh, upon the clay or the, uh, um, the other material, mm -hmm. the wax, their signature in there. And we have found many of these bullets or we have found the actual clay uh, imprintings in there. Mm -hmm. This one, the Emir Bula, dates from the 6th century B.C. And it dates from where the prophet Jeremiah talks to us about what was happening in the uh, Middle East at that time or the Far East. All right. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1, tells us what's, what's going on in there. And this bulla was made of nickel. Uh, and the king used it for official business. Okay. Uh, they found also a clay lump with the seal impression of the same bola, and it says, the sons of Emer. Now, the sons of Emer, if you go to your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1, right. it tells us who are the sons of Emer. Nowhere else we find the names, the sons of Emer, other than the Bible. Ah, and yet, this bola, dating from the 6th century B.C., it tells us the sons of Emer, exactly the same description that is given in the Bible in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 1. So no possibility that someone centuries later who decides they want to invent a story for Israel and starts making up these stories and putting them into quote-unquote scripture, no person like that could have ever invented the names of these actual people who lived hundreds of years before. Yes. So that that is really exciting. And just 
puts the lie to this whole theory that the critics have, that uh, the Bible was written hundreds of years later, that, the, that there was this long oral tradition period where stories got passed along. And it's simply not true. And we see that many of these attacks are surfacing today, but they're pretty much old arguments that have been disproved uh, throughout the ages. And a good example that comes to mind is that many antagonists of the Bible were saying that the Old Testament was uh, recently written until in the 1940s uh, we've discovered the Qumran uh, archaeological findings. Right. And we know that these scrolls, and as a matter of fact, there is, they're, they're showing some of them right now at the Philadelphia Museum. Right. Uh, these scrolls, they were dated way before the, the uh, documents that we had before that time. And when we looked at them and compared those uh, Qumran scripts with the ones that we had, right. there were practically almost no difference between them, right. which only tells us that the transmission of the Bible throughout the ages has been practically flawless. Right. And it's that's a very, very important thing for Christians to know that we have something, and it's not this idea of the telephone call, that right. this person called the other one and this person called the other one. No, 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 no. We have a very reliable transmission of the text and also transmission of the ideas throughout history. And, you know, I heard something recently that I didn't know um, before that even ancient secular documents have mm -hmm. actually been transmitted quite accurately for thousands of years. Think of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have many, many copies that we can examine the transition of this book over millennia and very accurately copied. So even uh, works by ancient historians, Herodotus and Homer and things that we have, examples of how well they were copied, even those were copied very well and they were not considered scripture. So when you realize how precious the word of God was to the Jewish people, how carefully they protected it, they made it, like you say, almost flawless. So um, just an interesting thing, it's nothing like the telephone game that people often think or that skeptics will try to make Christians think that, that that's how errors get introduced. No, in fact, uh, actually the ancient people were very good at making sure that the copies were accurate, even of their secular documents. Mm -hmm. They're actually quite accurate, but the Bible is even more accurate than that level. So, And that exciting. is something that I think every Christian should know because we are asked that question many times. And like the Bible says, we are to give an answer for the hope that is with us. With meekness and respect, but we have to be ready all the time. Absolutely. Well, listen, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Ratio Christi. I'm Keith Kendricks, and we're speaking with Dr. Enwell Hernandez about the archaeology of the Bible. So, Enwell, how old, what's the oldest document that we actually have uh, the, or piece of the Bible that we could actually, somebody could go and look in a museum and say, yes, that piece of writing, that's actually from the Bible. What's the oldest piece? Well, the Israeli Museum uh, has a piece of uh, scripture that is about four inches long, and it was originally rolled up, uh, and it was supposed to be worn as an amulet. This piece is called the Silver Scroll, and it dates from the year 600 B.C., uh, it contains the priestly benediction that we find in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through uh, 26, where it reads, May Yahweh bless you and watch over you. May Yahweh make his face shine upon you and grant you peace. 
Now, the Israeli Museum, uh, when they originally received this scroll, and they call it the silver scroll mm -hmm. because of its particular color, uh, it took for them three years to unroll it because they did not want to damage what was written in there. And, and today, it's the oldest piece of scripture available in the world, uh, which also gives more evidence to what we have in our uh, either on the Torah or in the Pentateuch. Right now, the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 24 and 26, which is the priestly benediction, we have a small copy within this artifact that was found, and it's called the Silver Scroll. That is the oldest piece of uh, scripture that we have today. Oh, that's very exciting. Another thing that they have found, uh, another bullet, actually, is the Hezekiah bullet. It's dated from the 8th century, and it's from uh, King Ahaz's son. Uh, King Hezekiah uh, was going to be attacked by King Sennacherib of the, uh, of the Babylonians, and Isaiah told King Hezekiah to trust in the Lord. And the Bible tells us what happened the night before where the angel of the Lord slew 185,000 soldiers, uh, and then the city was burned. Now, they found Hezekiah. I mean, the bulla of Hezekiah. Oh, okay. Given evidence that, wait a minute, there was someone named Hezekiah in here. And this bulla uh, actually says, belonging to Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah. So another piece of evidence where we have a king written in the Bible found also within archaeological findings. Wonderful. There's another bulla also dating from the 8th century, and it's the uh, Ahaz bulla. And it's interesting because this one gives you like a personal uh, feeling when you look at it because it has actually the fingerprints on the side of it. Oh, wow. Uh, and this one is also... So somebody's thumbprint pressed yes, into the clay. It was in That's there. Great. And it says, belong to Ahaz, son of Jehoatam, king of Judah. And it, we can find who is uh, this king in 2 Kings 16 in Isaiah chapter 7. So... What happened specifically with this bull, as in many archaeologists, when they unsurfaced this one, they did not know who it belonged to. And all of a sudden, there was a Christian scholar. He raised his hand and said, I know who he was. Uh, it's in the Bible, Second Kings chapter 16 and Isaiah chapter 7, which is a great. very interesting story. Another of these artifacts was found, um, and it was unearthed by the Oriental Institute of Chicago. And it was by this lovely character named Jehet Jezebel. Oh, okay. Uh, they were excavating in Samaria, and uh, the Oriental Institute of Chicago unearthed uh, some biblical uh, buildings, uh, and they found this temple made to Asera and Baal. And when they found this bulla, it was very interesting because even though part of it is scratched and you cannot uh, read the total of it, uh -huh. they had the uh, letters for the name of uh, Jezebel. They okay. had the Yo, the Zion, the Beth, the Lamed, and the uh, Isabel, uh, and it dates from the 9th century. And you can mark out that it was, it was belonging to this queen within that period of time. So even the biblical character Jezebel is actually we actually have archaeological data to prove she existed yes that's great and another one this is one of the most important ones and it, it gives also a very personal touch to the biblical accounts and is the Uzziah plaque and it dates from the year 30 to 70 AD it was discovered in 1931 uh -huh. by E.L. Sukhanik on the Mount of Olive and it, it's interesting because this plaque when they uncovered it it said it was written on the plaque it said to this place were brought the bones of Uzziah, king of Judah, and there were written letters saying, do not open. 
Now, that might be intriguing for someone who doesn't know the history of Uzziah, but those of us who know the history of Uzziah, we know that Uzziah was struck with leprosy. Okay. So when they put the bones to rest in there, they were still contaminated. Ah. So within the plaque, when they uh, put him uh, to rest, they put down the warning, do not open, and it could have been because he had leprosy. Now, Uzziah lived much longer before this, so they were they must have been actually moving the bones. Yes. Okay. That was the case. And as a matter of fact, when we read this, uh, it tells us that, yes, it was there was one reason why they moved it, but that will be a thing for another uh, gotcha. radio program. But gotcha. it is interesting they put that mark in there saying, do not open. Right. Uh, right. You know, it makes you wonder, why would anyone put in a tomb, do not open, uh, other than like the Egyptian, Egyptians thought that it was a curse. And in this case, it's making a warning. Hey, do not open it. These might be contaminated with right. leprosy. leprosy. Very so interesting. It, it, was, it was very interesting when they uh, surfaced this. Uh, another uh, archaeological finding, which is extremely important, it's the silver bowl of Artix. Let me say if I can say this right. Artix Xerxes. Yes, thank you. There we go. <laughs> and it lists this figure uh, very clearly on the side. And the interesting thing about this bowl is that it has many biblical king names okay. that are mentioned in this bowl. And once again, this bowl dates from the 5th century B.C. Oh, that's exciting. The uh, Jehoiakim uh, ration record. Oh, and now this is really this exciting. Is really I exciting. recently read about this, so go ahead and tell us. It was discovered in Babylon by Robert Caldaway. And it lists the oil and the grain rations given to Jehoiakim and his family, as we find in the second book of Kings, chapter 24, verses 8 through 16. And the text reads literally, and I quote, 10 sila of oil to Jehoiakim, comma, king of Judah, and to the sons of the king, end quote. And it's very interesting that this piece of, uh, uh, of record dates from pretty much when the temple was destroyed in the 586 BC. Uh-huh. So it's it's very, very interesting that yeah, we have found this. One of the neat things about this is that critics had long said, and when the Bible said that the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar took Jehoiakim captive, they claimed this would never happen, that he would have been executed. Yes. He never would have been taken back to Babylon and held in captivity. And uh, the Bible specifically says that Jehoiakim was given rations while he was there. And now they have actually discovered the actual ration notes, the record of how much rations were given to him. Again, putting the, the lie to the critics who doubted what the Bible said. And I find this amazing. I mean, uh, the, the same information. Detail. Yes, the same information that you find in the Bible. It is out there for the critics in Babylon. In Babylon, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Archaeological uh, archaeological findings and the the field of archaeology uh, has been a great aid for biblical scholars. Absolutely, uh, and it's a wonderful thing that uh, we can unearth many of these findings out there. And one of them that is also extremely important is something that was found in the 13th century. Uh, I mean, it dates from the 13th century BC and was surfaced in Egypt in the 1800s. And it's a papyrus that was translated uh, by 1909 by Alan Gartner under the title Admonitions of the Egyptians, Sage from Heretic Papyrus. Okay. Now, the important thing about the Ipuwer papyrus is that when you read it, it sounds very, very close to what we find in the plagues, uh, the plagues of 
uh, the book of Exodus. Okay. Uh, and many of them, of them are very, very similar. For example, in the Epur Papyrus, we read, Plague is throughout the land. Mm -hmm. If you go to the book of Exodus, chapter 7, verse 21, there was a plague, a plague that was all throughout the land. Another thing that the uh, Ipawar Papyrus uh, reads is that it tells us that the river was like is as blood. And it's very interesting. One of the curses right. in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, chapter 7, it tells us that the Nile was turned into blood. Right. Uh, groaning throughout the land, it tells us the Ipawar Papyrus. Well, sure enough, there was groaning throughout the land. Fire mingled with hail, it tells us in the Ipawar Papyrus. And the book of Exodus tells us exactly the same thing. Trees and herbs are destroyed, darkness in the land. He who is placing his brother in the ground is everywhere. Now, could that be alluding to the death of the firstborn? Hmm, interesting. Yep. Uh, the animal weep and the cattle moan. Uh, all things that we find in the Bible, yet even in the Egyptian uh, documents, we find very similar things that there are on earth. And once again, I believe this also gives us more evidence for the book of evidence, uh, the book of Exodus. I'm right, sorry. right. Yeah, this is exciting because uh, it seems like the critics um, are really convinced that Israel never was in Egypt, that there never was a Moses, there never was the Exodus. Um, yet, what we find is uh, just the opposite, that mm -hmm. uh, the Bible keeps being supported again and again. Every time another shovel gets pushed down into the soil and another scoop of soil comes up, the, the archaeologist's spade uh, reveals some more evidence that uh, the Bible really is reliable. Right. And many, many uh, critics will say that, yes, uh, within the Egyptian hieroglyphics, you don't find the name of Israel or the Israelites in there. But even if you don't find the name per se, you can find within their drawings and their writings how people lived in there, which is very similar to what the Bible tells us that the people, the Hebrews went through. Right. There is one specific in one of the temples in Karnak that was an archaeological finding on which you find a god, meaning a god from the Egyptians, mm -hmm. and around that god, they, it was surrounded by poles, and people were outside worshiping in this god. And it's interesting because when you look at the display, it looks very similar to what the tabernacle in the desert looked like. Ah, interesting. Uh, so they, they say that the Hebrews were copying of the Egyptians and how they placed the tabernacle in the desert. But we have to find out and understand that the Hebrews, they were uh, immigrants to the land of Egypt. And even before that, there was a monotheistic perception of a God within the Hebrew uh, people, which you never find within the Egyptians. Right, right. And the interesting thing is that within this temple in Tarnak, they found just one God being worshipped within a tabernacle and the people are outside of the tabernacle. Now, once again, could this be alluding to Jehovah God right. that people were worshiping them and they were trying to portray a God, not like the Egyptians where they have many gods? Right. It's, it, it's very interesting to know. Uh, the question is, finding all this information, do we say that the Bible is a myth? Well, no, absolutely not. Uh, Near Eastern scholar D.J. Weissman, he says that history can become myth. A myth can become more mythical, okay. but a myth never becomes historical. Right, right. Now, with all the information that we have on surface about many of the archaeological findings, it is not historical in the sense that it became a myth. On the contrary, it proves that it's historical. It proves that the information that we have right now 
we can actually look at it. We can actually see. We can actually read many of the things right. out there. So from history, yes, it could become myth. A myth can become more mythical, but never ever do you see a myth become more historical. So if right. the Bible was a myth, like they say, it would never become as historical as it is. Also, you know, it's really not written in the style of myth. And in, in fact, I yes. remember a quote that C.S. Lewis, uh, where he was an expert in mythology. And he said, the Bible, when you read the Bible, it doesn't sound like myth. It's not like right. other myths. It's not like other um, explanations. Um, it really is being presented as historical. And uh, when we do dig things up, well, that's what we find. That exactly. It was actually historical. Exactly. And nowadays, we're not only finding things that are from the Old Testament, but we're also finding things from the New Testament. Oh, great. Uh, and there was something very important that was found just recently. Uh, it was the Pontius Pilate uh, inscription. Yes. Many antagonists were saying, oh, he never lived. He, right. he, was, he did, never existed. Well, guess what? They found an inscription that it said, Tiberius Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea. Right. It's ex exactly the same name, the same title, judicial title, found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 2, and Luke chapter 3, verse 1. Pontius Pilate did Lee. I mean, Lee. Right, right. He's a he was he's a historical person, and we have evidence for that. Yeah, this uh, th this is kind of an interesting story because um, in the ancient world, sometimes stone was hard to come by, and so actually, what somebody had done is that inscription. This was a the Tiberium that uh, Pilate built in honor of yes. Caesar. So. Uh, he had his plaque there to show everybody. Well, long after he was dead and gone, people needed the stone. So they actually repurposed that stone and made it into part of a floor. And it was flipped upside down. And so the inscription was downward. And that's what protected it down through the centuries. And at, when the archaeologists dug it up, they pulled up the stone and flipped it over. And lo and behold, there was the inscription right yes. there. So that's exciting. It is very exciting. And as many uh, will say, if we don't speak about this, these things, the stones will cry out. And literally, that's what's happening. The stones are crying out with all the information that's in there. Now, within the few minutes that we have, Keith, uh, there is another inscription found that was very, very interesting. It was the Herod inscription. Okay. Uh, during the renewed excavations in 1996, at Herod's hilltop, Palace Masada, in Israel, archaeologist uh, Ehud uh, Netzer discovered a three-line Latin inscription on a piece of pottery. And they date this pottery from the year 19 BC, giving the full name, the title, and the place where uh, Herod ruled, Herod the Great ruled. Uh, and it's interesting because you find uh, the name Herod. It says, Herod, king of Judea. And within the pottery, we find the date, and it was actually a pottery made for wine. Okay. We find the date of the wine, the kind of wine, and to whom it was addressed to. Oh, wow. So it was found, uh, and, and also gives evidence of another biblical character. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, are, if I remember right, there's something like 30 different uh, New Testament characters that we actually have hard archaeological evidence that those people existed and something like 60 from the Old Testament. And this pottery that gives us the name, also uh, we put that name into a side and then archaeologists went over and they dig in a place called Herodium. 
And when they did uh, the, the findings of Herodium, mm -hmm. they found exactly the same person, Herod. And both the pottery and the things that were found in Herodium, they date precisely from the same time period. So we're talking about the, pretty much the same king here, King Herod. Gotcha. Now, just a few years ago, there was a controversy about an ossuary. It was the James Ossuary. Right. Uh, it was found. Uh, the inscription on the ossuary was very controversial because it said James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. And there was an issue whether it was an accurate one or not. And the issue was because the person that found the ossuary actually put the ossuary in a bathroom and washed the ossuary, taking away some particles, uh, a particle named the patina, right. which helps to date the ossuary. So many archaeologists don't find that this, that this is an accurate finding of it. But it's interesting enough that it has the name of James, the brother of Jesus, and the son of Joseph. How many James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus, do we know the date from the time of that ossuary? Right. Not many. Right. <laughs> Not many. That's and exciting. Another ossuary, and finally we can close with this, was the ossuary found with the inscription of the priest Caiaphas. Uh, it yeah. was found in Jerusalem, about 18 inches long, and it uh, names the historical figure Caiaphas. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, Enwell, it has been uh, wonderful to have you here on Evidence for Faith. Thank My you for pleasure. coming and talking to us about the archaeology of the Bible. So I think we can safely say that people who are interested in thinking about Christianity can realize that they're getting into a religion that is completely backed up by the facts in the real world. And there is a specific section within archaeology uh, that you can specialize and become a scholar as a biblical archaeologist. Wonderful. So there is a field out there for that. Exciting. Well, you've been listening to Evidence for Faith, a ministry of Ratio Christi. Send your comments or questions to email at evidenceforfaith. That's evidence and then the number four, faith.com. And join us again next week for more reasons to believe. But always remember that the best reason for being a Christian is because it's true. Yeah, well